Good morning. My name is Bill Winton. I am the director of missions here. I do some of the biblical counseling. And then where a lot of my heart is, is with the middle school ministry. Middle school ministry is doing strong. It's doing healthy. Uh, you want to see some of them real quick? All right, here we go. Here's some of them. Be ready. Watch fast. This is Wednesday night. Okay, so we went skating. We made that. Hey, things are great. Uh, again, I am glad to be here. Welcome those on live stream. Uh, I know Chuck and Dallas Wallace were saying they're going to watch today. So Chuck and Donna, hi. Uh, North Auditorium, we're glad you're here. And so I want to begin with a story about an angry girl named Arulai, 11 years old, living in India. And uh, she went to the village for one of her chores to draw some water at the well. And while she's there, she met Amy Carmichael, missionary to India. Uh, she lived from 1867 through 1951, and she had a children's ministry that was amazing in India. She ended up like raising and taking care of a thousand children during her time that she was there, uh, took uh, children that were in hard homes or in uh, a seven-year-old temple prostitution and, and would take them out and save them. She's an amazing story. She's one of my heroes. I've just been listening to her, um, autobi- her biography. And uh, Arlai, 11 years old, angry, she goes to the well and Amy Carmichael has a, this is in the beginning of her season in India, and she has some little ladies that are helping her, and they had this strategy. We'll go to this village, see who wants to gather, we'll share Jesus. We'll go to the next village a few miles away, we'll see who wants to gather, children, women, maybe men, we'll share Jesus. And well, she's in Arlai's village, and they're at the well. Arlai comes to the well to draw water, and she dallies and listens and dawdles and this isn't the fastest day she's ever had for drawing water because she's listening and you know how the Lord works in your life well one of the ladies that was Amy Carmichael's helpers was sharing her testimony in this gospel presentation and she shared that the Lord had turned her from a lion into a lamb in personality and our lie took that water and she went home and she started thinking about it And she started going, that's my problem. I'm angry. I should, I wonder if the Lord could do that for me. And she wanted to go live with Amy Carmichael. So she went to her parents. Her parents were Hindus. No way. And so she asked them again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And they kept going, no way, no way. And finally, they got so tired of Arlai asking to go live with Amy Carmichael. They said, we're getting you out of here. We can't take your bag anymore. You're going to go live with your uncle. So they sent her with the uncle. Bad decision because the uncle lived real close to Amy Carmichael. So now she found out she's going to visit Amy Carmichael on a regular basis. The uncle goes, well, that's fine. She's out of my hair. Could I stay for Amy Carmichael's Bible studies? Yeah, I really don't care. Go ahead. So the girl stays for Amy Carmichael's daily Bible studies, becomes a Christian. 
Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's good news, but at some point, dad's going to find out, and he does. And dad is furious. He's furious with Amy Carmichael. He's furious with RLI, his daughter, and he's especially furious with that uncle. He brings RLI home, and RLI is back, and she says, I have become a Christian, and it's just horror to him every time she says that. And she's in trouble, and, and she has to stay there. She says, I want to go live with Amy Carmichael. That's not going to happen and everything. And frequently, India people didn't like their children listening to Amy. One girl, because she listened and was attracted to what Amy says, the parents drugged her. Things went wrong. She was never the same again because of the drugs for that time. Some children were beaten because they would go listen to Amy. Some were whipped some, the parents would take hot ground pepper and grind it into their eyes and, and make that, they would think about Amy Carmichael like that. And then RLI's cousin was actually taken and tied to a post inside their house and stayed there for days on end. So one day, Amy Carmichael opens the door and there's RLI back on the doorstep, but she is sick. She is dead desperately sick. What's Amy to do? She picks her up, this young 11, maybe 12 years old now, and puts her in her bed and starts taking care of her. The father's not a detective, but he figures out where his daughter went, goes to Amy's house and says, is my daughter here? Yes, she is. I'm taking her home. She's your daughter. Take her home. And they go in and he sees how sick she is and realizes, I cannot take her on this journey all the way home because of how sick she is, I'll come back. So he comes back a few days later, she's still sick. But there's Amy taking care of her and wiping her forehead and trying to get liquids into her. And he comes back and he comes back. And each time she's not good enough, she's not well enough to travel. And during this time, Amy heard Arlai praying this prayer. Please don't make me go back to the darkness, God. I am living in the light here. Let me stay in the light. Alana Champion wants inside Arlai. Please, I want to stay in the light. At one point, the father comes to take her home, and it dawns on him. She's getting better care. She's getting more love with Amy Carmichael than she does at our house. Keep her. And Arlai gets to grow up and be discipled by Amy, becomes one of the ladies that goes with them from town to town to town, sharing about the wonderful love, grace, and mercy of Jesus and his forgiveness. And so uh, all that to know, we're coming back to that story. But again, Arlai's, I want to be in the light. Please don't let me go anywhere other than in the light. So we've been, we, one of the unique things at Christian Family Chapel is we believe that the Bible's true. Every book in it is true. Every chapter in it is true. Every verse in it is true. And because we believe every bit is true, we can take a section and we can go Mach 2 through it. And other times, we can take a section 
and do the opposite of Mach 2. We can do a deep dive. And that's what Christian Family Chapel is doing right now. We're doing a deep dive into six pages, in, at least in my Bible, of the scriptures. And that's the book of Ephesians. We're doing a deep dive. We're spending the entire 2021 on six amazing pages of the Bible. So it's my privilege today to talk about uh, the next paragraph that we're going to be in. However, let's review Chapter 1 through 3 of Ephesians, we learned who I am in Christ. We learned that we are alive from the dead. And we ha- we're blessed abundantly. Lots of blessings from the Lord. You remember carfish. Uh, we're loved perfectly, strengthened supernaturally. We have the Holy Spirit in us and his strength. And we're made a minister of God. We get the privilege of doing ministry whenever we're awake. We get to do ministry and further the kingdom. And then, chapter, starting in chapter 4, how I am to walk in Christ. I'm going to walk in unity through humility. I'm to walk in service to the body of Christ. I'm to walk in growing maturity like Christ. And I'm going to walk in new paths, a new path of words that tee up. Remember Tony taught us that with the uh, tee, that we hit words, make it easy for them. A new path of work in order to share and a new path of love as we has been loved. And then last week, we learned about walking as heirs. So here's this week's. We're gonna start with verse seven and eight. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now, there's two words that begin with P that are cousins in our paragraph, partakers and participants. Let me just explain the difference, all right, so you know when we get there. Partakers is like jumping into a swimming pool in January. You jump in, whoo, that was a big mistake, jump out. Participants is jumping in a swimming pool after you've been doing lawn work all day, and then you jump in and you go, this is nice. This is better. I'm staying here till supper, you know? And so that's participants. Both of them have to do, the pool represents sin. In the first one, do not be partakers with them. That's jump in and jump out. But who are the participants? Who is them? What's the antecedent of them? And in our passage, it's actually the words right before this. uh, It says, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, And do not be partakers with them. Who is them? The sons of disobedience. Last week, Doug talked about people with empty words. And they would say, yeah, give me the title. I'm a Christian. And those around would go, really? Huh. And God would go, "Mm, no, depart from me. I never knew you. And he hit that in such a great way. So we get to talk and deal with, uh, and, and, and I would imagine some people went home and go, that's been me. I have empty words. I say this, I actually think this, but as I look at what all that God, Doug said through this passage, I think that's me. And if it is, we'd love to know about it. That'd be great news. We would be celebrating with you. Uh, and so, but now for us believers, don't be partakers with them. And then the next verse, and this is our verse that's essential to the whole paragraph. We're camping here today. And you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children 
of light. Now, I did a lot of study and been studying for this, I think around six or seven weeks. Just been fun pouring into it, doing a deep dive, a deeper dive into it so I can prepare this for you. And I think there's some words missing from here. Not really, it's inspired, it's all true. But there's some attitude in this verse that maybe you don't catch when you read it. So I'm going to read it to you as I think Paul was writing. For you were formerly darkness. You are light in the Lord. For crying out loud, walk as children of light. That's what I think is the attitude in this verse. Ready? You were darkness. You are light in the Lord for crying out loud, walk as children of light. Okay, that's sort of where that verse is taking us. Um, I want you to remember our bedroom dresser. The top drawer represents top left, what we think. The bottom drawer represents what we take off. And the top right drawer represents what you put on. So in this, what do we think? We were darkness, we are light in the Lord. That's what we think. Well, but then for, the, the, for crying out loud, is for crying out loud, walk as children of light. So that's the top right drawer, walk as children of light. What's the bottom drawer, obviously? Not walking as children of light. Okay, you got it? We think I was darkness, now I am light. I, for crying out loud, walk as children of light. I put off not walking as children of light. And that's what we'd like to do today. In this passage, Paul says, uh, he gives us three reasons to walk as children of light. And he's like, Bill, stop. You haven't told us what walking as children of light is. Yeah, that's intentional. It causes a little angst in you and you sort of get upset. But we'll solve it. You'll be okay. Um, I do want to talk about light. Just for a minute. You might think this is a lighter. It's not. It's a three flame torch. <laughs> it can be in the fiercest gale. This isn't going out. Now, my illustration has some problems. Just know, but it will illustrate. This is going to represent Jesus. This is us. We were darkness. We are light, for crying out loud, walk as children of light. Need to see it again? You were darkness. <laughs> you, were, you are light in the Lord, for crying out loud, walk as children of light. Where the light goes, you go. Okay, now, three reasons that we should walk as children of light. First one is goodness. You, well, the reason is you will have God-pleasing fruit. And then that's from verse 9. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So there's actually three if you look at them. <laughs> Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's number four. So uh, reason number one. You will have God-pleasing fruit. Goodness. All right. Can I tell you something? My family, the Wintons, came and lived, started living in Mandarin back in the 1880s. Many of the decades that the Wintons have been here since the 1880s 
have been citrus farming all up and down Mandarin Road and, and over by Orange Pickers Road and lots of um, Loretto area, lots of citrus trees throughout the decades. And we still have citrus trees at our house. I'm in the house where I grew up. And, uh, I, and last December, I was out by our orchard and I was walking the dog and I heard something, turned around and one of the oranges had just dropped from the tree and it was just sort of, you just, just caught it, it had just fallen. It, it confirmed what I heard. And I go, that's interesting. I could eat it, but I really don't feel like eating an orange right now, I'm going inside. So I started to walk with the dog away from it and I heard something. No kidding, I turned around and that orange is now missing. And then I realized what had happened. That orange tree had taken its longest limb and swooped down there, grabbed that orange, and was eating that orange. You're like, no, that's absurd, Bill. Well, not if you're in Middle Earth, but we're not in Middle Earth. (laughs) But this is a picture, this is a principle I want you to get, that the fruit is not for the tree. I had this moment. I think it's this fruit for people that walk in the light. I also think it's true for people that walk in the spirit. The fruit of the tree is not for the the tree. It's for those that encounter the tree. So, what is the fruit? The fruit of light, the first one is goodness. If you walk in the light, if you, for crying out loud, walk in the light, you will, have fruit. you will bear fruit. It's not for you to swoop down with your big limb and eat it. It's for others to enjoy, and you're going to have goodness. Goodness. Imagine your supper table, and you're walking in the light, and there's goodness. Good. What's the opposite of goodness? Badness. Badness diminishes. Suppose you're at work. People are a uh, better one. Student one. Suppose you're in, the, you're in the back of the school bus. More badness happens in the back of the school bus than in the front of the school bus. Somebody walks in the light and says, hey, I'm going to go to the back of the school bus because it's dark back there. There's more goodness that happens. That doesn't mean badness evaporates and it's gone, but everything's, the, the bus driver's a little better, that, glad that you're sitting back there. It's just nice. Man, if there was three or four more, that'd be even better. Okay? So fruit is not for the tree. It's for others that encounter it. I think Christ is the one that's most excited about us having fruit. Um, but you'll have, you'll, you will have God-pleasing fruit. First one it says is goodness. The second one is righteousness. Though if you're walking in the light, where you go, there'll be more righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, again, we look at the opposite, and the opposite is wrongness. <laughs> Doug can make up words. I can make up words, all right? Wrongness, all right? It's where people do things wrong, and this is really morally wrong, but I, I used to work when I was in high school at a company, a landscape company, and uh, they always cut in corners. Everywhere they cut corners. In fact, we made up a logo, a slogan for our company that our owner didn't enjoy too much, but this was what we said our slogan was, if it ain't done twice, it ain't done right. 
you know? And we could have done it right the first time, but that's just not how we roll. We always have to come back and fix it and do it right. And so, uh, but doing things wrong is not the norm for the person walking in the light. In fact, when you walk in the light and you go place, they will tend to do things. Suppose your company is cheating on, your tax, on their taxes. And you go there. I'm not going to do that. You might get fired. Or they might say, yeah, that's the right way to do it. We could get in trouble. And they're going to start doing things a little bit more right. You see, it's fruit. The fruit isn't for the tree. But Christ is the number one person that's excited about fruit. And so goodness and righteousness are God-pleasing fruit. And then there's truth. If you're walking in the light, you're going to be a truth teller. You're going to tell the truth. You're not going to tell lies. If you tell a lie, you're going to get it right. Is it nice to be around people that always tell the truth? Yes. In fact, other people start to emulate it a little bit. I used to know a guy back in a long time ago, and he was a compulsive liar. Uh, I think he would lie maybe 50 times a day, and he would lie for no reason. Somebody would ask him, what would you have for lunch? Now, I saw he had had a ham and cheese sandwich, but out of his mouth, I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There was no reason to lie, but it just happened. And when you're around somebody who lies, easy or hard? It's hard. You always got to have your filter up. Is this person telling the truth now, or are they not telling the truth? And, and, and it's just, but man, you live around somebody that tells the truth. Man, it's so nice. It, it, it works in your family in your school, at your work, when you play athletics, wherever you exercise with, if they know you to be a truth teller, that's great fruit. And it actually does influence others. And then this fourth piece of fruit, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. Um, for the, our ambition is to whether at home or away, to be pleasing to the Lord. That word ambition is an Olympic term. It's an, our ambition as believers is to be pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, at the Olympics this summer, a diving team, somebody climbs up that diving board, and they get out there. None of them said, wow, this is pretty high. I've never been high this, this high before. Now, what do I do? I go head first or feet first. Just didn't happen at the Olympics. They knew what to do because they've had this ambition. They've practiced many days, months, years, some of them maybe over a decade, diving off a diving board. They know they go a certain way. They make a minimum splash. They have skill and, uh, and, and how they're going to be judged. And they have worked Olympically. And that's what we got to do as believers. We have, Paul says, we have as our ambition to be pleasing to the Lord. We, every day we're walking, I wonder what pleases the Lord. What's something new I could learn that pleases the Lord? And we do that. And, and that's one of the fruit of walking. <laughs> if Jesus is the light and we're near him, we start learning. Sort of like when you're with your family members and you're with them, with them, with them. When it comes birthday time, sometimes you just know what they want. Why? 
because you've been apart for a year and haven't talked? No, because you've been near them. You heard that what they want. I really want this. So you're just here, and you, you've been thinking for a while. This is, you're with Jesus. You start learning and desiring what pleases the Lord, and, you, and that happens with you. Now, four fruits. Reason number two. Did that just frustrate you? Because that brought me a little pleasure. We'll get back. All right. Um, Reason number two. You will not be fruitless. Here's our verse. You will not be fruitless. Verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. What did he say about deeds of darkness? They're bad fruit? No. He said they're unfruit. There's no fruit. So in this realm of producing fruit, if you are walking, you're not, for crying out loud, walking as children of light, but you are light, but you're just not walking as children of light. This is bottom shelf stuff. You have no fruit. You have no fruit. It's unfruitful. Usually we think, man, you're in the darkness. You're going to have greed and, 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 and all the, we could name a whole bunch of things. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying you have no fruit. He calls it the unfruitful deeds of the darkness. So uh, you will not have fruit. I think it's Abraham, two characters in the Old Testament, Abraham and Lot, they were relatives. They had clans and they went together. And Abraham was a man of faith, loved the Lord, Lot, eh, not so much. And at one point they had conflict and Abraham says, let's just solve this conflict, Lot. He says, we just can't be near each other. You look one way, then look the other way. Choose which way you want to go and go. And I'll take the other way. So a lot, I imagine, looks this way. Oh, man, that looks, like, that looks like a desert. Is that a desert or the moon? It looks this way. Wow, look at the grass. Ooh, fruit trees. Is that a stream I see going through? And look, there's a village, there's a village. There's a city. There's a desert. Abraham, I'll go that way. And Abraham says, fine, go that way. And he goes this way. The Lord blesses Abraham over in the desert. This place ends up, the people are wicked. Wicked. Make Mardi Gras in New Orleans look like a Sunday school picnic. Okay? It's a wicked place. And Lot moves closer and closer and closer until he finally, he's in the middle of the city and then God says, that city is so bad, I'm going to destroy it. And he ends up, I'm going to get Lot and his family out. So he gets Lot and his family out, and he, he takes them out. Incredible story. You ought to read in Genesis. And then he, like, bombs the place, um, and they're decimated. But who did he take out? Lot and his family and all the people Lot has influenced for the Lord during these years, which adds up to? Zero. He's been all that time and he has an influence. He has no fruit. This is an influence issue and he hasn't influenced anybody. No fruit. You know who my heroes are? Some of my heroes are missionaries. Here's why. When they're, when they're in middle school, and I've, you know, I've been doing this since 1989, middle school ministry, so it's a long time. They've grown up, but I've seen them where, hey, I'm walking in the light. The back of the bus is, is 
dark. I'm going to go sit in the back of the bus for the next few weeks, see what happens. I don't have time for that story. And then as they grow up, they're in high school. I want to I be on an athletic team. What athletic team should I be on? As they, talk, as they walk in the light and talk to the Lord, they go, you know what? I've done research of all the teams at our school. Some have three, four, or five Christians, but this one has none. Maybe it's a club. Maybe it's band. Maybe it's athletics. There's no Christians in that one. I'm walking in the light. I'll go be a light there. Oh, that's great. Hey, it's the chess club. Oh, you're kidding. How do you play chess? Doesn't matter. I'm signing up. And they go and they try to be light in the chess club. Okay? And then someday, as they're older, still walking in the light, hey, where's some of the darkest places on this planet? Unreached people groups. They have no Christians. I'll go there. I love that. I love that. You know? That's just heroic to me. So uh, they want to have fruit. They want to have fruit. They, the last thing they want is to be unfruitful. And then reason number three. You will diminish darkness. Got some verses to look at here, but it's all under. You will diminish darkness. Remember I talked about the first letter, word that began with P and now we're in participate. This is jumping in the pool and staying there because you like it. Jumping in sin and staying there. Do not jump in the pool and stay there. Participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, do you like mysteries? Because I had one when I studied this passage and it messed me up. What are we supposed to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness? Say it out loud. Expose them. Listen to the next verse. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. What are we supposed to do with them? Expose them. However, don't use your mouth. Usually when I expose them, I, I talk about it, you know? And it's saying, hey, the things that are done in secret, it's disgraceful for believers to speak about them. But we expose them. Mm-hmm. But it's disgraceful to speak. I, I, it took me, I talked to a lot of people about this, and then the Lord just gave me the answer. It's like in the next verse. <laughs> but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. Go in the darkness, with the darkness. You don't have to talk about it. The light illuminates it. You ever been in, a, in, a, in an old country cabin, maybe a hunting cabin, where the, the doors aren't really sealed at the bottom and their screens are broken and you, you're sleeping there. It's like a camping experience. Then you wake up and you're like, I'm going to go get something out of the fridge. And you turn on the light and roaches just scatter. You know? That's sort of the idea here. You, go, you don't just start talking about it. You go, B... And let the Lord expose it. All right? But all things become visible when they're exposed by light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And then he quotes a very rough translation from Isaiah 60. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you, in you, through you. Okay? This is where we got the for crying out loud. 
Arise, sleeper. You know, people sleep like they're dead, and maybe they are dead. Well, no, they're snoring. So, okay. But he's like, arise from that sleeping dead and let Christ shine in you, through you. Walk in the light. That's what his heart is in here. All things in darkness are exposed when light comes nearby. You diminish darkness when you're walking in the light and you get near darkness. Now, this darkness, let me tell you about it. Here's, you might disagree with me on this. That's okay. This helps me. How does God see our world? I think he sees it. One illustration would be like a book. Maybe he has libraries that make Beauty and the Beast look dinky, all right? And we're just one book. What, is, what am I talking about? The way I see it is God sees our time and space that we live in like a book. He can see this side and this side. I suppose this is like Genesis 1-1. He, this is where everything was created, all time and space. And, and, and this is the very end where a new heaven and new earth is created. And every page is a little bit of our history and space. So maybe right here is where we're at. This is our page. This is Christian Family Chapel. This is your life. It's what you're having for lunch today. And maybe this is what's going on in our world. And oh, something's happening in Afghanistan. And here's what's happening with politics. And here's who's mad at who. And there's some little disease out there. And and there's lots of stuff going on. What about darkness? Here's what I believe. I believe for God's greater glory... He allowed darkness into this book. Not every book, this book. And like since Genesis 3, there's been darkness, and it's on every page. And sometimes as you look at pages, there's a, there's a, a lot of darkness. Sometimes there's a lot more darkness. Sometimes things are looking pretty good. There's dark and light. And when darkness is diminished, he gets a lot of glory. It's sort of one of the themes of this book that we get to be a part of. Now, let me back up because some of you might be thinking because of our culture wrongly. I want to fix that. We're not talking Star Wars. The dark. The light. I like those movies. I like sci-fi. But when I watch them, I always get a little upset because darkness is winning. Every single movie, darkness is winning and the light is going to be put out. Oh, my word, the light. Oh, there's no hope. And, and, and if, uh, I sure hope Luke and his little R2-D2 show up and save everything. And, and, and it seems like in those movies, the dark and the light are having an arm wrestling match. And they're going back and forth. And the light's losing. And the light's losing. You know? And that is not true. Darkness is only in this book of all God's library. I don't know about only, but let's just say It's this book, and and he gets greater glory. But any moment, any moment, God could go, beep, like knocking a paperclip off your desk, and darkness is gone. He could send the scrawniest angel, boop, and it's gone. Okay? But it doesn't feel that way here on our page. It feels like, ah, darkness is taking over the United States. Darkness is taking over our world. Yeah, most pages feel that way in this story. Okay? But Jesus shows up, he's a sinful character, and he's putting out. And so, if you walk, according to Paul, in the light, 
you will be part of the diminishing darkness in this book. How cool is that? Three great reasons, okay? So, you, you wanted to ask me, how do you walk in the light? It's been bugging you ever since. And where are those two other answers? Well, let's get there. If you notice, Paul actually didn't put in Ephesians, in that paragraph, how to walk in the light. What are we going to do with that? He told us to. He said, for crying out loud, walk in the light. But he didn't tell us how. The only reason I can think of is like, uh, this is pretty simple. This is kindergarten stuff. But years later, maybe 25 years later, if I could bring a Bible character that wrote a book of the Bible back to meet my junior high students to spend a weekend with them, you know who I'd pick? John. He wrote five books, Gospel of John, Book of Revolution, and First, Second, and Third John. And wow, he was incredible. I think they'd relate. They'd ask him questions about Revelation. But John, when I believe First John was written when he was 90 years old. 90. Could be a little before, could be a little after. It's all right, let's just go with 90. And he's been sitting there, and he's been watching the world and Christianity and where it's gone. And, he, and at this point, he goes, he writes the first four verses, and he says, let me tell you what I've experienced with Jesus. Three years camping, fishing, and hiking with him. Whoo, what joy. And then six decades of not with him in me. Ha, Jesus has been a joy, and I've written, I'm going to tell you all about this Jesus. In fact, I wrote a book about him, the Gospel of John, so you can be introduced to him. Now I'm going to tell you how to walk with Jesus, but I'm writing this book, verse 4, so that your joy may be made full or complete. Ah, you can have the joy that I had walking with Jesus. And then he writes, this is the message we've heard from Jesus and announced to you that God is light. And in him, no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. Not this. If we say we're walking in the light, but we're not. We lie. We're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, ready to write the next reason bound, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, here's the final reason, cleanses us, or fruit rather, from all unrighteousness. So, the fruit is goodness, righteousness, truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to God, fellowship with one another, and cleansed from all sin. Fellowship, I have a bunch of these candles here. Wouldn't it be great, Evan, if you, if you guys came up, and, and a whole bunch of y'all came up, and we got these candles, and we lit them together, and we just sort of were, it'd be better to go through a dark cave with a whole bunch of us than just one of us. It would be fun. We have, that's all I'm going to say about fellowship with one another, but if we walk in the light as a church, if we all walk in the light together, what joy. That's what John's saying. I'm writing these things, you have joy. What joy if our church walks in light together and then he cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, we've cleansed 
We're cleansed from all sin. Remember, seems like Paul left out how to walk in the light. I think he thinks it's kindergarten. Now John sort of implies it. How do we walk in the light? We get cleansed from all sins. Two verses later. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm submitting to you today that walking in the light begins and staying in the light with getting our sins clean. Saying, Lord, cleanse me. First John 1 John 1.9, cleanse us. I've, I've laid hundreds of pallets of sod in my life. Every time I come home, I don't jump on the couch and watch TV. Denise goes, shower. I get in the shower and the dirt comes off and it's the best feeling ever. To be cleansed from all, not sod dirt, but sin. So, how do you get forgiveness? Nine magic words of confession. When I teach in middle school or teach my kids, I try to go, how can I make this as simple as possible? So this isn't straight out of scripture. This is, as we look at it all, how can I make it succinct? Nine magic words. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. What are the dot, dot, dot means after each one? It means you name what's there. I see Dave Strathman here. Suppose he, uh, I, I, I don't know, I'm trying to make up something. Suppose I got mad at him and went and stole his lawnmower, okay? And so I now feel bad. I go to Dave. I don't just say, uh, I'm sorry. That's not helpful. He agrees. Yeah, Bill, you are sorry. You stole my lawnmower, you know? I say, I was wrong, and then the dot, the dot, for stealing your lawnmower. I am sorry for stealing your lawnmower. Like, I regret doing it. Dave, please forgive me for stealing your lawnmower. Okay, this is how I train the students. All of these are important. Doesn't have to be exactly in this order, but this sort of encompasses getting clean, confessing. Uh, extra credit is for me going, is me trying an empathy attempt and saying, Dave, it must have made you feel betrayed or hurt that a pastor at your church stole your lawnmower. You know? And, and I tell them, hey, I'm trying to think on how you feel. Okay? But uh, this is the, that's sort of extra credit. That's when I'm really trying to bridge that relationship so Dave and I can be good friends again. Uh, post lawnmower. Okay, so, but to get confession, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, we're going to do a little test, pop quiz. These are our answers. I know they're not, it's not a math test. Zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 50, 50 to 100, more than 100. Okay, you got it. I'm going to give you some questions. You're going to answer in your head silently for these questions. Put A, B, C, D, E, or F. Think it. All right? The first one. In 2021, this is October, how many times has your mouth said the phrase, I was wrong? A, B, C, D, E, or F. Zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 50, 50 to 100, more than 100. How many times has your mouth uttered that series of words? I was wrong. Question number two. In 2021, how many times your mouth said, I am sorry? Just guess. A, B, C, D, E, or F. 
Question number three out of four. In 2021, how many times have you said, please forgive me? A, B, C, D, E, or F. Are you doing this? Are you mind? Last question. In 2021, how many times have you sinned? A, B, C, D, E, or F. Yeah, we got Matt Collins over here, leads worship. He's a good guy. He's a really guy. We would esteem to be like Matt, you know? And uh, uh, Matt's a good guy. Suppose he only sinned. He, he, just suppose he only sinned and uh, sinned his attitudes and actions that don't please God. Okay? He's going to smack me after this for doing this, but, but I can play with Matt. If... Attitudes and actions that don't please God are sin. Suppose, Matt, he's just better than the rest of us. And suppose he only sinned three times a day. Wouldn't that be great if we only sinned three times a day? A bad attitude, action, doesn't please God. In a course of a year, roughly, what's the number for Matt? About 1,000, okay? What about the rest of us? 5,000. <laughs> All right. Do you see that? why I put this little quiz up? The number of times should be similar or exact to the number of times we sin. When we get completely clean, we're walking in, we're for crying out loud, walking in the light. Two steps to confess. You confess to God. God, I'm so sorry I stole Dave's lawnmower. And then step two, I go to Dave and say, I say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, please forgive me, to God. And then I go to Dave. If I'm out building a, a doghouse, no one's around, and I, I'm good at making grass shorter, but hammering, not so much. And I hammer on my finger, and out of my mouth comes, I take the Lord's name in vain. I go to God. God, I'm, did I sin? Yes. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Now, do I go to Dave and say, Dave, let me tell you what happened when I was building a, a doghouse? No, I don't need to because he wasn't involved. He's not offended by this. So if we only sin and God only knows, we just go to God. If another person's involved, we go to God first and then we go to the offended person. So what if my sins are recent today? You can get them confessed, cleansed, walk in the light. What if they're from a long time ago? I had that. I was preparing a Bible study on Wednesday night, and all of a sudden I realized I had sinned against my youth pastor when I was in youth group decades ago. And I was paralyzed in my sermon prep. And I had to look up my youth pastor, give him a call, and say, this is what I did. I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? He forgave me. Oh, it felt so good. I'm walking in light, and the lesson just tore off right after that. But we take care of, you don't just, oh, it's been long enough. Under the carpet, don't worry. No, you're walking the light by getting clean. What about my sins that are little? You need to get rid of them. You need to get them cleansed. What if they're huge? What if I've hurt somebody so bad? Huh, their life is going to be completely different because of how bad I've hurt them. Yeah, you need to get those forgiven too. What if my sins are few? All of them need to be. What if they're many? All of them. What if they're thousands? Do you know what a memo pad is? Make a list. Leader's best friend is a memo pad. Just start writing them down. Lord, search me, oh God. Try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And just make a list and then start. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. From each one, you can be cleansed. 
I want to read a passage to you from 1 Corinthians. We're about to do the Lord's Supper, which is perfect for where we're at. Okay? <laughs> Matt's going to play some music, and I'm going to ask you to start asking the Lord to examine yourself and say, Lord, is there any sin in me? And wouldn't it be great if we walked in the light out of here together, cleansed? So here's the passage, and then Matt's going to play some music. You can listen to it, and I encourage you to spend time alone. Forget everybody else that's here, and concentrate on the Lord and say, Lord, you tell me what sin is in my life. I'm willing to say I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then he's, he's going he's to play some music. He's going to sing. And he's going to invite you to sing. And then we're going to do the Lord's Supper together. So you have some time just to be alone with yourself. But here's the passage that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians talking about the Lord's Supper. Therefore, whoever eats the bread of this or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, like as he's examining himself, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Arlai, our little 12-year-old girl, prayed, and I love her passion, I am living in the light here, let me stay in the light. Let's go to a time of examining our lives. Just bow your heads and spend time with the Lord.
elements as we hold them in our hands, the, the bread, the wafer on the top is a physical reminder of the body of Jesus. It was beaten, it was torn, it was bloodied for us, that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And as we hold the cup, the blood that he willingly poured out on the cross for our sins, these are reminders. And he said, eat and drink in remembrance of me. So with thankfulness in our hearts, let's take together. Lord, we are grateful just for that picture, the reminder of that your work on the cross was a, a display of your love. We see that you could not love us more. You have loved us perfectly. Lord, thank you for being near to us and being available to us, that you seek to be in relation with us, for us to walk with you in the light. Lord, that when we confess you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So Lord, may this be a practice. Would your spirit prompt us? Would you prompt us when we need to be right with you, confess in the days to come, knowing that you are faithful to forgive? We love you. We thank you. Your precious name, name above all names. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. I want to declare this in response. Forgiveness we have in him. What a gift of grace.
Amen. Hey, so grateful you're here today. I wanted to say, um, if we can pray for you anyway, we have men and women who are available um, between the two auditoriums just out the back. If you go there, we've got, they would love to, the privilege to be able to pray with you. Uh, and as we go, I pray that the Lord would bless us, that we would go, and wherever we go, there would be goodness and righteousness and truth, and the light of Jesus would shine through us. We can do that because he's doing it in us. So let's let him do it. All right, you guys have a great day. Thanks for being here.